everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Stacy in Pueblo asks, my boyfriend gets so angry anytime something doesn't go his way. Why does he do that? Anger in response to something not going his way. Yeah. Like, he just really loses it, sounds like. Mm. Have you ever seen this in, in clients or out in the real world? Yeah, I think I do it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you get you angry? Know, I think we've, we've all... <laughs> you get angry, even though you're a psychologist? You get angry? Um, it happens occasionally. Um, but it's interesting, just the way we say it is, I get angry. As if anger just kind of uh, descends upon us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that's what uh, Stacy's pointing out is that sometimes, either in ourselves or in other people, it seems like a switch just flips and, so, and a person can get not just annoyed or frustrated, but angry quickly. Right. And that can be confusing, I think, especially if you're not someone who's like prone to anger themselves to see it in someone else. Because mm-hmm. it, it is interesting to watch someone um, react in a really angry way. Um, where you have no investment in what's happening. Mm. And there seems to be a judgment of they shouldn't be reacting that way, usually. What, what's an example of that? Mm. So I'm in a checkout stand at the grocery store, mm. and the person in front of me writes a check, and the cashier says, we don't accept checks. And you see that person start screaming and yelling about the store's policy that they don't accept checks. And everybody in line is kind of thinking, or at least I'm thinking, (laughs) whoa, calm down. Why are you reacting this uh, um, angry over this situation, right? There seems to be um, some clarity that happens by being removed from the situation where, like Stacy, can watch her boyfriend... Uh, get really upset and not really understand why he's reacting that strongly. Yeah, seems yeah. disproportionate. Yeah. Um, but I've been on the other end of that where you're getting angry and you feel very, very. I'll settle on a word there, <laughs> term. Um, yeah, I think kind of in the midst of, of anger or even an expression of anger, there is this kind of. Um, self-righteous uh, feeling or, or thought process where you are entitled to feel this way because of what's happening. Um, so I would suggest maybe that Stacy's boyfriend, when he gets angry, feels like um, there's a good reason for him to be angry. Um, uh, anger, anger kind of happens a lot of the time when our expectations are not met or violated, and there is this kind of um, reasoning that can, can occur that says my expectations should have been met, and now that they're not, I'm justified in being feeling this mad. Are you saying they're not actually justified in feeling that mad? <clears throat> should, um, we, should we not get really angry when something small happens? Well, I mean, you can have whatever emotional reaction you want, uh, or have, I guess. One of my... One of the things I tell clients a lot is never get in a fight with your thoughts or your feelings, right? So, because you'll you'll lose that fight <laughs> more often than win. Um, 
so you can he can be angry all he wants. I guess it's then up to him about how he wants to express that anger. Um, Wait, what? He can be angry, but it's up to him how he wants to express it. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Uh, the experience of an emotion versus the expression of an emotion. Mm-hmm. If I'm angry, um, I can be angry and not yell and scream at you. Um, I can be angry and not. I can be angry at my boss for. Um, Docking my pay, but if I punch him in the face, that probably won't result in very good outcomes mm-hmm. for me. So feeling, so anger is really a feeling you're saying, whereas you know shouting and screaming is a behavior. A behavioral expression may be in line with anger, but yeah, a behavior. That seems like an important distinction. Very important, a crucial, um, a crucial distinction. I think, and I think we get those confused a lot. For example, I hear clients all the time. Um, when they're uh, describing uh, events, they say, you know, well, I, I was angry, so I punched this guy in the face. As if it's, you know, a, a one-to-one kind of reaction. Like, if I get angry, then I have to lash out physically. Or if I get angry, then I yell. Like emotions cause behaviors. Yeah, or, or, or like they have no option at that point. Like, if you're angry, this is what's going to happen, mm. basically. Or if I get that angry, sometimes there's an intensity... Um, variable that they factor into their experience where they say, if I get really angry, then Mm -hmm. of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. And do you think that comes in part from the confusion about feeling angry versus acting in an angry way? Or is there something else going on there? Yeah, I think it it comes in in response to a history of behaving that way. Hmm. Yeah. If you... Well, we kind of... We call that mood dependency, right? If I behave in ways um, that are dictated basically by my mood. I'm sad, therefore I'm not going to get out of bed today. Or um, I'm angry, so I'm going to yell at this person. Or um, name any other emotion and some Mm -hmm. congruent behavior. Uh, Yeah, if you have a habit of reacting in that way, then you're more likely to do it. So part of it's just habit. I think think a lot of it. You've just done it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to see how people form habits in response to those emotional yeah. experiences. So we, one thing we might tell Stacy is that, um, you know, her boyfriend could have learned maybe early on that when things don't go right, not only do you end up feeling angry, which is pretty natural. I mean, all of us feel angry to some extent when right. our expectations aren't met. But you act, you express that anger in certain ways, like screaming, yelling punching walls, whatever it is, right. that somehow you, you learn that that's what you, that's what you do when you're angry. And then if you do that enough, it starts to become almost automatic. Yeah. It becomes a default kind of behavior pattern where this is kind of just the way I react when these contexts come up. The other, the other part of this though is, um, is that, uh, you're, you can be reinforced for those things. So for example, if the cashier at the grocery store ends up accepting the check after that person has yelled and screamed, Mm. um, then that person basically has learned um, all I need to do is really yell and scream and people give in. The environment cooperates. So um, they're reinforced for that behavior, basically. So so they're more likely to behave like that in the future when their expectations are met because sometimes the environment bends to their will 
um, to get the anger to stop. Right. Basically. So the expression of anger, it becomes useful. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of um, evolutionary psychologists would say that's how a lot of expressions of emotion start because they're, they're reinforced by the environment. Now, what about people who say when, when we, you know, we say, I felt so angry, um, you know, it made me lash out and punch that wall. Like what? Some because when we're really feeling strongly, sometimes it does feel like we don't have any control over our behavior. So the clear, anger made me do it. Clearly, emotions influence our behavior. Would you agree? They can. Yes. So what's what's the like? How do you know? How much control do we have over our behavior when we're experiencing a strong emotion? Um, any emotion. Well, let's stick with anger, since that's what we're talking about. So, so how much control do we have when we're really angry? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, so if you're, if you're mildly annoyed at someone, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to just bite. It's easier to bite your tongue, right? But if you're really infuriated, it's really hard to bite your tongue and say nothing. So clearly it's not that um, we have... It, well, I'm just, I guess I'm just saying it's difficult to resist expressing our emotions sometimes. Right, that the intensity of the emotion may impact our ability to um, control its expression. Yeah. So as, as shrinks, we like to say, you know, you're never, con- you're never completely controlled by your emotions. You can always choose to act in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. But it's sometimes it's pretty hard. So what... Okay, so... <laughs> Let me frame this in a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of lay question for you. So if um, two people watch someone uh, physically attack their uh, child, right? There's two parents, two children. Um, there's an attack that happens on each child. One parent, of course they're going to be mad. Of course they're going to be upset. One parent physically attacks the attacker. One parent um, doesn't do that, is able to kind of grab their child, but doesn't attack the attacker, is mm-hmm. able to uh, monitor their own behavior and, and not lash out. Um, what would just, why, why is it sometimes that the intensity of an emotion um, for some people might result in one reaction and not another? That's a good question. Um... Part of it may be experience and learning. So, for instance, if you, uh, you know, maybe one time you you did react with anger and you got thrown in jail for three months, that would certainly make you, as we say, think twice before la- expressing your anger again, right? So just experience, learning, habit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, I think can do it. Um, is that... Well, yeah, it was a it was maybe a poorly framed question because there's lots of variables that could have played into that. But I, the point was, you know, if intensity of emotion does influence mm-hmm. its outward expression at times, um, is it just simply the intensity? No, I think there are definitely other. I think, you know, in some ways, it's like a um, we love the the muscle metaphor, right? But if you experience a level six anger, right? If you, if every time you experience that level of anger, you express it, you're never going to practice the skill of having the emotion and not doing it. But if you, if every time you experience a level three anger, 
you bite your tongue and you hold it and you practice that 10 times. And then with a level four anger, you, you practice that 10 times. Well, you can work your way up to where through repetition and practice, you get better at this skill of um, kind of separating your response from your feeling. Mm. Right? And, and so you can learn to gradually increase your control even over intense emotions. Oh yeah, I think so. And so yeah. Stacy's boyfriend um, may want to try gradually practicing his control wrong response to situations where his expectations aren't met. Sure. Okay. That'd be nice for Stacy. <laughs> I'm sure Stacy would probably appreciate that. But it's that's hard to do if you if you have this belief that um, it, your behavior and your feelings are kind of all wrapped up together. So yeah. I think I think it's important to acknowledge that when your emotions are really strong, it does make it harder to control your behavior, but it also doesn't make it impossible. And that to a large extent, being able to do that is sure there are environmental factors, but it's kind of a skill and we can't expect to be good at it if we don't figure out a way to practice and grow at yeah. that. Well, and I, and I think I, I would agree with you. The learning part through practices is vital. Um, as someone who, who values the, the cognitive or the thought process that goes along with some emotions, I think it's interesting or, or worth our time to kind of mention um, there's also a cognitive overlay to some of these emotions so that people develop rules around expressing emotion um, and beliefs about expressing emotion that can impact uh, their behavior as well. What's an example of a cognitive overlay on an emotion? So I would say it could be that Stacy's boyfriend just never learned how to express his emotions in a more socially acceptable way. Mm -hmm. That's possible. It's also possible that Stacy's boyfriend feels like or, or thinks, has a thought process um, when his expectations are met, that if he allows that, he's weak mm. and worthless. And so he gets angry and acts out, and it's, it's a well-practiced behavior, but it, there may be a cognitive part of that that he has a rule about context where he needs to express mm. anger, and that's one of them, when his expectations are met. Yeah. So sometimes there's, I guess, a, a behavioral kind of, we just haven't practiced or learned enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes, or even maybe at the same time, there are also cognitive beliefs about that context or that expression that uh, pushes our behavior around. So it sounds like you might uh, coach Stacy's boyfriend a little bit to not only make a distinction between his emotion anger and his expression, his behavior, but also to ask kind of what, you know, what's going on in my mind mentally, cognitively when I'm starting to feel angry? What am I, what am I saying to myself? What are the, what are the thoughts going on in my head? Yeah. Cause I think you could argue that when an event occurs for Stacy's boyfriend, where his expectations are met, he has this kind of automatic thought that comes up about him being weak or him being useless if he doesn't um, get upset and, and express his anger, uh, which kind of causes or, or, or impacts his uh, mood or his, his emotional response with his anger, and then the, the behavior is an outburst. So ah, okay, so I think that's I think that leads to kind of a third reason why 
Stacy's boyfriend might be having a hard time, which is that sometimes it's just learning an environment, right? Okay. Sometimes it's thoughts, like these beliefs kind of keep us engaging in. But if you think about it, like, so let's say this dovetails on the thoughts part. He, the boyfriend has this belief that he's weak if he doesn't lash out, mm -hmm. right? But let's say he had to, let's say he was in front of a police officer or something, and he, he literally had to withhold his response. What, what would the effect be of having that strong belief that if you don't express your anger, you're weak? What would happen if that actually came true? How, in particular, I wonder, how would he feel if, if that were true, if he were weak? So what's, what would be the emotion that would result if it turned out I, he, if he believed he was weak? Right. How do we feel when we're weak? You, you might feel ashamed. You might feel sad. You might feel... Um, embarrassed you, you might feel a lot of kind of what I call a self-conscious emotion you know you're like where you're judging yourself uh, and pretty um, uncomfortable yeah negative emotions aversive yeah response right yeah. so one way to look at um, Stacy's boyfriend kind of losing it and behaving on his anger acting on his anger is that it it keeps him in an emotional state of anger which maybe isn't great, but from his point of view, that could be better than the sadness or the guilt or the shame that goes along with feeling weak. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of literature that talks about anger and as kind of a secondary emotion sometimes. Mm -hmm. You might originally feel you know, hurt, scared, or sad, and rather than continue feeling hurt, scared, or sad, you have kind of an angry uh, emotion that, that kind of is started so that you don't have to sit with that emotion. An example, this is a, a parent who watches their toddler run out in the middle of the road and they, mm -hmm. they run out there and grab them and then they get back to the sidewalk and they yell at their kid and maybe swat them or whatever and uh, they're angry, right? But at first they were scared, mm -hmm. terrified that something might happen to Junior. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot easier for us, I think, sometimes to, to get angry rather than feel afraid mm -hmm. or hurt. I think you see this a lot when people get hurt. Yeah. Um, so feeling anger and behaving in an angry way is a way to avoid some other more uncomfortable emotion, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So you would, you would want Stacy's boyfriend to tune into his behavior as something different than his feeling. You'd want him to look at, well, what are the thoughts and beliefs in my mind? And then you'd also want him to look at, are there actually other emotions going on here? Maybe very quickly before the anger. Well, so then I would ask you, why is that important for him to pick up on the other emotions he might be feeling before he gets mad? What's the utility of that? Well, because if, if you start training yourself to... Um, get angry anytime you feel any other uncomfortable emotion, like that's good. that could get you in a lot of trouble because you're gonna feel all sorts of uncomfortable. That's what it is. I mean, we're human beings. Like we get hurt, we feel ashamed, we, you know, bad things happen, and we feel sad. We get all these things. Mm -hmm. But if you can't allow yourself to feel those things without bursting out in anger, like. I don't, it doesn't take a psychologist to predict that that's going to lead to some not great outcomes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think especially interpersonally, um, it's a lot easier for, for you know, Stacy and her boyfriend to resolve his 
um, sadness than it is to uh, pick up all the pieces after a really angry outburst, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sometimes there's a lot of utility in being able to um, express and experience a primary emotion of hurt, scared, sad, whatever that is, um, interpersonally, because anger tends to be so destructive inside mm-hmm. a relationship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it can be destructive to a relationship and even yourself in the long term. Yeah. But in the moment, uh, it, it there's a way in which it it can make you feel less bad. It helps you avoid some other painful emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a, a pretty strong case to be made, and I think this is surprising. It was surprising to me the first time I really thought about it. Um, but even though we tend to, if, if you had to create two buckets for all the emotions out there, positive emotions and negative emotions, ones that feel good and ones that feel bad. Uh, well, okay. okay, negative, you know, emotions that feel bad, sadness, fear, guilt, embarrassment, they're all uncomfortable, right? But then there are emotions like joy and excitement and curiosity maybe um, that feel good, right? Now I think at first blush, most of us would put anger in the bad, the negative, the uncomfortable Mm. category, right? But I think the confusion is just because it leads to um, bad results often, I think when we really, if you really, and this is a, is a good experiment for anyone out there to try, when you're in the middle of feeling angry, if you can do it, does it really feel bad to feel angry? Or is there a way in which it actually feels kind of good to yeah, feel angry? There's actually a number of studies that say when people are preparing for some type of conflict, they'll actually choose to listen to like angry kind of music, right? Because it's, it's what they want to feel in that moment. Um, and, and so sometimes anger is something that we actually want to experience that mm-hmm. can be beneficial for us. Yeah. Yeah. We might actually choose um, to feel that way. And, and which is what you're proposing. We might actually choose to feel that way over being sad, ashamed, embarrassed. I heard someone one time call anger the great antidepressant. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's a, anger is a good way to at least temporarily distract yourself from sadness or really any other uncomfortable emotion you well, might have. And anger can be really motivating sometimes. Hmm. So it, it it can be useful mm-hmm. to to motivate change, to motivate productive behavior. Um, yeah, probably more so than sadness or grief or hmm. something like that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, Stacy, there's three three reasons why your boyfriend may be experiencing a lot of anger. And three ways to maybe help him out with that. Which are? Having practice experiencing anger without expressing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe gradually work him up so that he's able to tolerate more and more intense levels of anger without an angry outburst. Uh, looking at why uh, or his thoughts around anger and the expression of anger and um, what some of his uh, ideas are about his anger and then looking at other emotions that might be involved in his uh, angry reaction or other emotions he might be experiencing uh, before he gets angry. Seems like pretty good advice to me. It's pretty solid work. (laughs) 